So I just wanted to say that before we get into the Word. Um, go with me to Galatians chapter 4. And um, we're going to read something from that chapter that I believe the Spirit wants us to hone in on. Before we start, just to give you some context, you know, um, the Christian faith gets its name from the word Christ, which means in the Greek, the anointed one. And believers were first called Christians in the city of Antioch, the ancient city which was in modern day Syria now. And they were called Christians there for the first time. Previous to that, they were referred to as followers of the way. And they were considered a, a breakaway branch of Judaism, right? After the temple in Jerusalem was just destroyed, uh, Christians became very distinct from their connection to the, you know, the Jewish religion. And that was not God's plan at first, but when, when Israel rejected salvation by grace, Paul says they were attempting to be come righteous by fulfilling the law. Well, we all know that no one can fulfill the law. Um, that separation really started to come into effect after there was no longer a temple in Jerusalem. And I say that because Christ or anointed one speaks of the Holy Spirit who is God on earth through the church. God is on earth through the church. The Spirit of God in you is God on earth. Now, you aren't God, I want to make that clear, but you house His Spirit in your body. If you're baptised, and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you've become a dwelling place of the Spirit. And um, remember we said in the season casting in September of last year, God is building His house with living stones. He doesn't use brick and mortar. He uses people to build His house. Okay? So when you hear about the temple in Jerusalem being rebuilt, God isn't going to live there. Just, just to let you know. That's going to be the temple of the end times. It'll be built, but Christ won't dwell in it until He returns. So why do I say that? Because we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. And he will not again be inside a physical temple until Jesus physically returns in the second coming. Okay? Until then, God is not going to dwell in a house. And then throughout the eternal ages, there is no temple. Remember? There's only a city. And we're told that Christ and the Father are both the light and the lamp 
and the temple of that city. So I say these things because I believe part of the, one of the indications of us approaching the end of days is based on a prophecy by Malachi. And that is that Malachi says in the last chapter, Behold, I will send you Elijah before that great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children's to their fathers. Okay? That's going to be a sign to us that the end is near. There's the day of the Lord and then there's the great and terrible day of the Lord. There's actually two days of the Lord. Okay? There's Christ at His second coming and then right at the end of that reign that we have with Christ, there's the Father's day of the Lord, which is the great and terrible day of the Lord where the elements melt and then the great white throne judgment begins. But this afternoon, I just want to concentrate very quickly on this prophecy from Elijah. Galatians 4, verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, which cries out, Abba, Father. Because you are sons, and I'm speaking to the women as well as the men, in the spirit realm, you're considered a son. It's only in your flesh that you're female, right? Remember in the spirit, there's no sexuality, there's no gender. We're all sons of God. And that doesn't mean that we're all men. You're genderless in the spirit. Angels are genderless. They're not men, they're not women, right? But you're called a son of God. Now, look at what Paul's saying here. Because you are children of God, He sent forth the Spirit of His Son, Jesus, which dwells in you, and that's the only way you can say that God is your Father. You cannot call God your Father unless the Spirit of Jesus is in you. Are you with me? That's why John in his letter says, in his epistle, he says, if you have the Son, you have the Father. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. So God the Father has to send the Spirit of Jesus, His Son, into your heart before you can say, Father God. You know, Jews can't call God their Father. He's too holy. That's why they wear that skull cap. They don't want the holy God to look upon them in their guilt. And this is why Jesus got in trouble with Pharisees and scribes so much. He kept calling God His Father. And then He told His disciples to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, our Father. Pharisees had a heart attack. Did God want to know us that intimately? Yes. This is why 
Luke in his, I think it's the third chapter, Luke traces the lineage of Jesus, not just to the kings, then to Abraham, and then from Abraham to Noah. And then from Noah, Luke goes all the way back to Adam. And then he says, you know, uh, what is it? Seth was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. He calls Adam a son of God. So Luke is telling us, God wanted Adam to be a son. He created him to be a son. And Adam was created in the image of Jesus. God in his foreknowledge said, what would I want my son's physical body to look like? So he created Adam that way. His emphasis on relationship and communion will never ever comprehend because the value he puts on reconciliation with the descendants of Adam is the life of his only begotten son. Do you understand? And I'm telling you our our trials and our woes and our unbelief and our doubts and our questioning, it, it all stems from not understanding the value He puts on us as sons. And I know this is what made Jesus so successful in his ministry. And I'm talking about Jesus as a man. I know he's God in the flesh, but as a man, he had to live like we live. God gave him no supernatural privileges because he was begotten of him. Now, I've got to use that word begotten. He had, Jesus received his physical features from Mary. But, he wasn't the son of Joseph. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and he either created a, a sperm with all the DNA that God wanted, right? Or God supernaturally fertilised Mary's ovum without sperma at all. Either way, it was a divine miracle. Because Jesus' Father is physically God. And it's right for me to say that Jesus' blood was the blood of God. Do, do you understand that? And that's why only Jesus could be the atoning sacrifice because He was shedding innocent blood, the blood of God. Do you get that? But look at the value God puts on us as His sons and daughters for instance, think on this. Before the created worlds, God existed. Before time, God existed. John tells us God is love. Not God can love, God will love, God has loved. No, God in His essence is love. So that means God has to be more than one person. You can't have love unless there's more than one. Do you get it? So Father, Son and Spirit are a triune love triangle. They have to be more than one or you can't say God is love. And then out of that triangle, the Father wants to bring in something that He creates. 
He wants to bring it into the triangle. Now he's created angels, he's created the dominions and the principalities and the powers. And after he creates the heaven, he creates the earth, the sea, the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the trees, the animals. And finally, he crowns his physical creation with Adam and Eve. They are the crown of his creation because they are the only creation that can communicate at God's level. The animals can't, the trees can't, and matter can't. He fills all things, but he can only communicate on that level with Adam and Eve. They were made in his image and likeness and God could have a conversation with Adam, an intelligent, independent conversation with his son. That was the primary reason why God wanted Adam created. But love requires choice. If God made us love Him, then it wouldn't be true love, right? But if we choose to love Him and obey Him, that's true love. And this is why Jesus said to the disciples, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He had nothing to do with feelings. He he didn't say, when you feel like you love me, you're really loving me. He didn't say that. He said, if you truly love me, you'll do what I ask you. And he has a right to say that because he lays his life down. I'm laying my life down for you. And I'm asking you just to do this small thing, see? But we can't even understand what the transformation is as far as when we say, Father God. I want to concentrate on Father God this afternoon real quickly. If you can begin to understand just in a little way how much our Father loves us, right? Then the circumstances in our lives will take a very, very backward place, whether they are good or whether they are not good, because we're not basing our standing with God on what's going on, but on what He's done to demonstrate His love for us. I know that when I'm going through a trial, I I deliberately remind myself that Romans 6 verse that says, if God did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, that we should have all things with him, so someone who doesn't spare his own son. And remember the relationship between the father and the son was much better than Abraham and Isaac. That was a human bond. This was a divine bond that God allowed us to get into that triangle. If the father is willing 
to lay down the physical life of his perfect son, it's almost like he's saying he values us more than him because he allows him to be put to death, right? Now, I'm not putting man above Jesus, but I'll say this. He loves us as much as he loves Jesus. And that's why the cross is central to the gospel. Why would he let Jesus die and then only give you half of himself? Why do we believe, and I speak to myself, that he's abandoned you in your trial when he's already demonstrated he'll even give up his own perfect son? And so that love is by faith. There'll be times when you believe it and you believe it 120%. And there'll be times when you've only got 5% left and you're saying, where are you, God? That's okay. It's okay to say, where are you, God? But don't stay there. Isn't that what David did? Oh, you, you've forsaken me. You've turned your face from me. Psalm, 23, uh, Psalm 22. My God, my God, where are you? You've turned your face from me. If you keep on reading, you find out he turns, he says, hang on, you haven't abandoned me at all. Yeah. Remember that? And I've been brought to this point in many trials. Right now is crunch time. Do I believe that He loves me that much, even when I'm not feeling it? And that is the big overcoming question. Right? Because true love involves feelings after the decision to love comes first. You get that? Yeah. Last week we were talking to potential husbands and wives and husbands and wives. And the first point about a godly marriage or a godly union was be the person that you need to be for your spouse. Not look for the person that you think you need. Be the person that you need to be. Emphasis on you, not the person that you're looking for. And then as we scroll down, love them by choice. Love them by choice. There'll be days when you won't feel like loving them. You won't feel they're loving you. There'll be days when they're attacking you and showing you unlove. I won't say hate, but unlove. And right there when you are justified in saying, I'm going to stop loving you. I'm not going to let you do that to me anymore. Right then, I'm not telling you to be fake and phony. But it's one of those what would Jesus do moments. Because all your feelings are going to say stop loving them. Stop loving them. Put up a wall. Don't let them in. And seriously, if, 
if you could count the amount of times that people was rejected by people, abused, even cursed by the Pharisees. Now, you know, Jesus, he wasn't one to flatter anybody. He told the Pharisees straight, you're a bunch of hypocrites, but he still loved them. When Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, came, he took him and he, he let him ask questions. Joseph of Arimathea was a believer undercover. When Jesus died, Joseph put him in his own tomb, his family tomb. There were a lot of Pharisees that wanted to believe who Jesus was, but they allowed the fear of man to come into that and stop that. Okay? So, and believe me, I'm preaching to myself, those online, I know every one of us goes through periods of time when the ones we love aren't loving us. Or at least we are perceiving they aren't loving us. Remember, our perception of love is already tainted because sin's been in our lives. And the quickest way out of that corner is understanding the Father's love. You're saved by grace through faith. This feeling has nothing to do with it. Your feelings will catch up. I remember when I was uh, first born again, because I'd come out of a very staunch Catholic background, I was, I was full of fear. I thought like I was converting to the wrong religion. And I needed deliverance and the guys delivered me within months of me being saved because I thought, well, hallelujah, am I doing the right thing? And, and, and the Lord had to make me literally make a decision. This is what I need to do and I need to stick by it. And for me, it was going to cost me everything with my family. I literally lived out. Unless you love me more than your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your wife, your son, your daughter, your house, your car, you're not worthy of me. And I remember I was sitting in my, sleeping in my bed, reading that verse and I said, Holy Spirit, I don't want to be the person that succumbs to family pressure. And I believe that was the day that the Lord changed something in me, right? For you, you got your own experience. How you became a son of God you know your personal experience. But it's that same knowing that's the faith factor. So I'm bringing all this because I, re I really feel that the Lord is requiring us as a church and as a people of God to let that reality of the Father's commitment and love to us sink. He, our God is not erratic with his decision-making. He doesn't love us one minute and then abandon us the next. Right? Everything he does from the time we're born again and filled with the Spirit, he works to make us more godly and to make our lives more full, not less full. That's why Jesus said, right? I have come that they may have life and not just life, but abundant life. Now, our version of abundant life, because we've been so affected by the West, is wealth. That's part of abundant life, but not all of abundant life. 
You could have a lot of wealth and a miserable life. Your marriage is broken down. Your kids don't want anything to do with you. Your health's breaking down. But you still got 20 million in the bank. What good is that? Can't buy your wife back. Can't buy your kids back. Can't even buy your health back. It's all by the grace of God. Even in the world, it's by the grace of God. Some more than others, you know. But like Jesus said, if you're rich in the kingdom, God will trust you with wealth. If you show Him, it won't become the all, the be all and end all of your life. I think that's why people like Abraham and David and Solomon, they were wealthy guys. But it was because it was a reflection of the richness that they had with God. And Jesus uses those words. As long as you're rich in God, that's the main thing. As we approach the day of the Lord, the return of Jesus, I believe many of us are going to mature into what I call a stable relationship with our Father. Where panic will be something of the past. Anxiety will be something of the past. Trust is what He's bringing into our hearts and lives. So I'm asking the Lord for grace on me and you that we would trust Him enough by knowing that He loves us enough to put us into the picture that we need to know. You know, sometimes the Lord, it's a little bit, you know, on a need-to-know basis. There are things He will let you know and there are things He won't let you know until it's time to let you know. Because He likes to keep us coming back and asking, so what's next, Father? He might say, just hang on, keep thanking me. But, 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 just. In this process of uh, purchasing a home, there were times I'm going, God, God, what's next, what's next? And all he says is, I've got this. Okay, that's all? That's all you're going to tell me? I've got this? And honestly, it was a little bit frustrating. But the reality is, the reality is, if he told me, there's a chance I wouldn't believe it anyway. And then I'd be accountable for that. So he's being very merciful. Right? So this is the kind of thing that I believe the Lord wants us all to experience. And um, it'll, it'll be even more prominent as we, we see the day approaching, right? We're not going to be tossed to and fro by emotion that is not coming out of our spirit, but coming from the heart of God, all right? So I know that most of you, if not all of you, desire that kind of strength 
and confidence in your relationship with God. And if you don't have it now, the fact that you're desiring it is the Holy Spirit's way of showing you God wants it more than we do. Okay? We're all wanting to have a more confident relationship with our Father. And you know what? That'll take so many other things out of our lives that are not positive. We won't look for people's affirmation as much as we, as we do. We won't feel rejected as much as we do. We won't fall to guilt like we do. Did you get me? It's like an uphill battle. We're always fighting negative emotion because we're still not sure about how much He loves us. And love casts out fear. So if you're still feeling fear, you know that there's still something that needs attention with your relationship with God. Because love has no fear. You got that? So spend just a few minutes now searching your heart, asking the Lord to begin this process of healing the trust that He wants you to begin to have with the Father, all right? And so... Just give me a second here. All right. I got a message. I think it's from Pastor Nate. I just got to check. All right. He says, All right. In regard to agape love, Pastor Nate just clarified something that he's taught. To clarify, it's the choice you make that will cause the feelings to form. This will lead to emotion. Feeling is a choice in your heart attached to the belief system you believe. Whoa. Then your emotions will produce the outworking expression of that feeling. This is good stuff, guys. Yeah? Feeling has everything to do with it because feeling has everything to do with belief. Don't confuse feeling and emotion. They are two different things. Look at this. Feeling and emotions are two different things. And he's saying don't confuse feeling with emotions. And I think I have many, many times, right? If you want to learn more about this, I know some of you have done the course, but Nate's, um, Nate's portal on the process talks about this. We had a portal weeks ago, I think it was, about the process. And he brings out how feelings are not necessarily emotion. One thing that revolutionised my my prayer life and my faith system is when Pastor Nate said, right, when you hear a truth, the only way that truth will stick 
is if you attach emotion to it. All right? We've got some messages here. Oh, he's saying the process is a new show coming up. Oh, didn't, I thought we did a, a portal called The Process. Maybe. Oh, this is different. Yeah. A precursor. Look, there's good things coming down the tubes, guys. You've got to be there. Right? But I, I remember he taught when you attach a truth to a feeling, it'll stick. Because when you remember that truth, all those feelings it produced in your heart will come up. See? This is why testimonies are so important. God came through in your testimony and that emotion will, will never allow you to forget the goodness of God. Do you get it? But I mean, I'm not the expert on feelings or emotion. I'm learning myself. In fact, some of the biggest woes in my life is because of mixing feeling and emotion and not discerning the difference. But for today, my portion to you is when you have by faith established that your Father's intention for you, and this is something the pastors also spoke about, when God's intention for you is made clear to you, it's always good, you'll be the most stable person in the universe. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we stumble in so many things. Forgive us for doubting your goodness. Our relationship with our earthly fathers makes it difficult to trust. And it's not that they were abusive, and if, if that was the case, even more so. But our earthly fathers were born in sin and self-centred for the most part. And you are not. And the expression of Jesus is the exact expression of you. And I know, Holy Spirit, you want us to trust how Jesus expressed the Father in heaven. Jesus showed us what our Father is really like. Help us to believe. Help us to attach emotion to that truth that the Father is really, really, really good. In Jesus' Name. Amen. I hope that helps you. I know it's been helping me. Not there fully yet, but I'm on my way. And so are you. Yeah? Praise the Lord. That brings us to the end of service. We want to, you know, bring an invitation to those who are online or maybe if someone here in the sanctuary would like to renew their relationship with God the Father. And it's done, th it's done through Jesus, His Son. We access the Father through the Son. God wants to send the Spirit of His Son to dwell in your heart. In order for Him to do that, He asks us one thing. Wash your heart clean with the blood that was shed at Calvary's tree. It's the only way your heart can become clean. 
If you feel the call of God to sonship today, then pray this really simple but powerful prayer. Just repeat after me, Father God, I ask You to forgive me of all of my sins and wash me clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and He rose from the grave to give me life with You. Lord Jesus, come and fill me and my heart with Your Spirit. Let me have true communion with You, not based on religious ritual or any performance, but total intimacy. Thank You, Jesus. I believe in You, Jesus, and I thank You that I am saved. We welcome you if you've prayed that prayer. It's the first step to a really wonderful journey with a good Father who wants you to feel confident that from this day forward, He will work everything around you to transform you into His image. And by allowing Him to do that, He will reward you. So please contact us. Your next step is to get your constitution for life. I'm lifting up my phone. You can't see it. It's a Bible. We want to get a Bible to you, whether it's electronic or hardcover. doesn't really matter as long as you get to know the truth so that you can attach emotion to that truth and therefore solidify your faith. Please contact us, info at talk.org. We want to get you into good fellowship. Please visit us if you're in a tri-state area. I guarantee it'll bless you just as much as it will bless us. So we want to sign off from our online audience. Thank you so much. And for those who are remaining here at church, If you want to renew a commitment to your Father in Heaven, today's the day. All right, we'll open up the the front for prayer and let's see what the Lord does. Amen. We'd like to see all of our lives stabilise into a steady, constant faith. Amen. God bless. That brings us to end of prayer.